From the style closet in the back corner of the Huffington Post in New York City, this is the Weird News Podcast. I'm Buck Wolf. And if you often feel like society is right now drowning in worthless, crazy spectacle, reality TV, mindless, endless bullshit and craziness, you're actually absolutely wrong. This man's going to prove you wrong. We've always been drowning in this sort of spectacle and craziness. I'm here with Edward Brooke Hitching. He is the author of Fox Tossing and Other Forgotten and Dangerous Sports, Pastimes and Games. Hello, Edward. Oh, thank you. That got me really pumped up. Yeah. Yeah. Really? Now, we're talking about crazy sports. We're talking about uh, headbutting cats, donkey boxing, octopus wrestling, monkey boxing, oh, yeah. baseball played with a cannon, cheetah racing, boxing on horseback, auto polo with yeah. automobiles. Absolutely. Uh, dem- uh, just uh, uh, crazy stuff. Vi- the Viking sport of naked skin pulling. Where, hmm. <laughs> where do we begin with all this? I mean, do you know what? I think I th- I think it's the best one is the first one I ever f- uh, came across that gave me the idea to think, how did our great-great-grandfathers uh, entertain themselves? Like, what did they do when they didn't have all the yeah, things talking, that we Yeah, we're have? talking about an age, you know, people today have a tough time thinking of a world without social media yeah. and uh, uh, the internet that preceded it, and then people like that yeah. uh, can't imagine a world without cable TV. Exactly. So and when I was a boy, yeah. I couldn't imagine when my father said that he didn't see TV until he was older than me. Wow. And there was a time, of course, without radio. And in these times before any electronic uh, medium and limited print medium, really, Mm. uh, to some extent, uh, people entertained themselves. People had parlor tricks because after dinner, you sat in your parlor and entertained one another. Yeah. And people had to think of their own entertainment. And that's how many of these activities became uh, sort of sports, became celebrations, became part of uh, the cultures in which they existed. Absolutely. You you work with what you've got available to you. And what you find, our, our entertainment sort of goes in tandem with the development of our technology. But when there is no technology, what you find is uh, people reach for the nearest thing. And in, the, in history, that has usually been each other or animals. Um, or, or like, you know, stick-related things. Um, but yeah, all, I mean, imagine a time when all you have is your imagination and just terrible daily life of disease and battle. You're going to come up with some pretty crazy stuff to uh, distract yourself from all of that. So, yeah, a good example is Fox Tossing, which is the name of the book, but also I, one of my favorite sports to read about, yeah. not necessarily And play. you're joking when you came in that uh, tossing in some cultures means <laughs> masturbation. We're not talking about sexually pleasing. Yeah, I mean... Uh, the, the foxes. <laughs> I was a little less explicit than that, but yeah, <laughs> that's exactly it, yeah. So it's an insult. A tosser is an insult, which I think, and you know, makes it a bit more enjoyable to read. <laughs> but, but these were the sophisticates of uh, 18th and 16th, uh, 17th century Germany, the aristocrats, who would play in a sort of tennis... Uh, uh, court-shaped enclosure um, with in mixed couples in full dinner dress. It was an entertainment, something to do before dinner. Um, and they would arrange themselves in pairs and they'd have a strip of cloth. It's a bit like a badminton net. And between them, they'd hold it and let it lie slack along the ground. And then a whole load of animals are released into the arena, uh, chase each other around, obviously, foxes, but also badgers and wildcats. What period is this? 
This is we're talking between 1650 and 1750. And this is this is one of the many activities that is sometimes called the sport of kings, like war, like horse racing. Like, yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. It's something that rich dudes did. Exactly. Yeah. That pr- probably they only had access to all these these animals uh, kept in their enclosures. Um, and so, yeah, Emperor Augustus the Strong, who was a Holy Roman Emperor, he loved this because it was the the point of the game was to catapult these animals when they trod on your net with your partner. You would yank the net taut and send it flying up into the air as high as possible. So it was a way of demonstrating your strength and your manliness, and the higher you got it, the more impressive you were. Um, And that's why he performed these just devastating uh, fox-tossing matches where hundreds and hundreds of animals died at a time. Was there a reason that this is not done today? Or who knows, maybe it is. <laughs> well, I, I, you know, morality would be a key one. Um, but that's what's interesting is you look at the history of entertainment, and I go back like 12,000 years looking at how we've hunted and how we've had fun. And what you realize is you can kind of chart our, the development of our, of our morals. You can see what was once acceptable is now no longer. And it's, it's really fascinating. It's a way of looking at history and all these famous characters that you learn about from a different angle. When I saw your title of the book, I saw a story that we run up against uh, uh, reporting on trends and weird news at the Huffington Post. Right. Uh, the sport of uh, dwarf tossing, a bar activity yeah. where uh, uh, people – Throw the little people yeah. um, for distance. It's a sport that, that uh, little people find re- repugnant. Um, yeah. uh, and then other little people who like to participate in this because they make some money on yeah. it, they fight for their rights to do it. And there was actually controversial controversy over uh, proposed laws in Florida about whether to allow this or not. God. And uh, it's one of those crazy things, and I bring it up only to say that uh, fox tossing um, the idea of it uh, sort of carries on today, and part of it is just sort of the spectacle. And certainly, like, throwing a little person uh, for some people is uh, a hilariously inappropriate yet um, um, quasi-acceptable thing to do in some yeah. dark quarters of this universe. I disapprove of this myself. Okay, good. Because <laughs> it seems yeah. like to throw anyone, whether they're willing to be thrown or not, is a bad idea because they could get it hurt, yeah. which is why we don't want to throw, I guess, foxes. No, exactly. And actually, I've had one angry lady come up to me and ask why I would do these things. She thought it was a memoir. And I had to explain, no, this is just, you know, these things happen, so it's okay to write about them. But if you learn from it and you realize how far we've come, then it's great. So you talked about spectacle. And, you know, I think we've got some amazing options. You mentioned the the, the World Beard Growing Championships. Yes. We've got things like bog snorkeling in uh, in England and all these sort of bizarre uh, sort of new traditions are going to start up. Yeah, the, the, um, the British, the Europeans are they, pretty great at this stuff. Yeah, they go the crazy. Cheese for rolling. Cheese rolling, which is banned actually because so many people got injured from running down this steep hill chasing after a cheese. Okay. They, they do it anyway. What the so hell is wrong with this? world where you can run with the bulls and how many people got gored this year like yeah. a dozen or more uh lee moran our, our new reporter who you just met out okay. there who covered uh uh the running of the bulls uh said it was just it was crazy especially this year because a lot of people want to take their selfies with the bull bearing down on them yeah and <laughs> Uh, well, it, it, with predictable results, when yeah. You try to which take is a picture. hard. It's hard to have sympathy, isn't it? Like for something like that. But you know, I, the, I always root for the bull in the bullfight. Yeah, I, I, you know, I think that that's fair enough. But um, the interesting thing is, is that actually, I found out we had bull running in England before before it even started in Pamplona, like eight hundred years ago. We did the same thing in England, except we chased the bull. 
It was the other way around. We chased it out of the town in Stamford. And it was chased to a bridge where it was then thrown off a bridge. And it would drag itself out of the river onto the field where it was uh, killed for the meat. But that was, that was a tradition that lasted like 500 years. I think about some that have become sort of like staples in like the news cycle this year. Once a year, we always have that town in Spain where there is the tomato. Yeah, uh, the tomatina, yeah. Yeah, well, it makes for a great visual. Oh, it's fantastic. I, I mean, I'd love to do a tour of this stuff, you know, one day if I could get the time to do it. But, um, but what, what I'm, yeah, what, what you take from learning about the past with all these stuff and, and some of the really weird stuff, and the best stuff really comes out of America. I mean, I... I really? You think America, we're the best at this sort of... Can, well, I'll give can, you an example, right? Are you comfortable with me calling a lot of this, like, I don't know, bullshit, crazy spectacle stuff? No, I mean, that's, you know, that's, that's my pitch, basically. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, no, I mean, America, some of it's really charming, so you've got, like, this Disney-esque story of uh, racing deer where a couple in the 30s called the Tims, a Californian family, bought a whole load of deer and trained them to race as greyhounds mm. and, and they had, you know, jackets and everything. Yeah. You haven't and, been in America long enough, but deer racing, <laughs> no no big deal. I mean, pig racing, you don't go to any county oh, fair. Oh, yeah. And yeah, well, all right, well, I better step it up then because yeah. clearly this isn't making um, you blink. Yeah, <laughs> okay. I want to, okay, I understand, according to your book, about mm. 100 years ago, in this city, people were playing ice skating tennis, ice tennis. yeah. And I, I was imagining... How many times? Did this happen more than once? Was this just... I think it happened a few winters because the whole idea was, you know, no one played tennis in the winter. They, these clubs were just not bringing in the money. So they thought, how do we make this uh, perennial activity? So it was very simple. They just flooded their courts and waited it for, for it to freeze. But the problem is you have to be, <laughs> to survive, you have to be really good at skating and really good at tennis. Um, and not a lot of people had the two skills. So you can imagine... Uh, just running for the ball, you're you're gonna you're gonna screw yourself. There was a lot of falling over and a lot of injury, and and it wasn't really the fun of it. Didn't quite trump the uh, frequent injury, which is actually a true story of a lot of this stuff. Because I've divided these sports into three separate categories of why they no longer exist, and it's cruelty, danger, and ridiculousness. Um, and I've got favorites in all of them. But, Cruelty uh, really ends these things? Absolutely. You know, the introduction of uh, society for the and protection of animals. You really think that we're less ridiculous today than we used to be? No, I think I think each era has its own ridiculousness. I think ridiculousness can be dated. So, well, yeah, we're ridiculous too. But something, I mean, one of my favorite sports is uh, ski ballet, which a lot of people kind of remember, but most people don't, which is crazy because it was played, televised, as uh, late as 2000. And it was it was it fought really hard to be a, an Olympic event, and it was an exhibition event, but it never got official recognition. And it was a cross between uh, stunt skiing, uh, ice skating, uh, as in sort of a performance to a routine, ice dancing, um, and just like terrible fashion sense. So it was, <laughs> but but you know, reading about this, and you can find clips on the on YouTube, and I I really recommend the routine of Herman Reitberger, who has this incredibly emotive, pained expression as he performs to you know classical music it, it's, it's beautiful but it is it does look a bit silly there is a section of your book devoted to uh wannabe olympic events that either made it for a while or never made it at all yeah what 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 is in that category right so again i thought yeah it'd be really interesting to see what have we left behind so in the very earliest olympic games we're talking thousands of years ago in ancient greece 
the first event wasn't an athletic event. It was a competition. It was competitive trumpet blowing. <laughs> who could blow the trumpet the longest and the loudest? And the champion of that, who did it for 50 years, was Herodorus of Megara, who could blow two trumpets simultaneously and win these competitions. And he put his victory down to uh, nine kilograms of meat a day and, <laughs> and sleeping on lion skins. Um, and then you fast forward to the modern Olympics, which started around 1900, and there was no formality. Uh, there was no competition to see who could represent their country. People just turned up and agreed who would play. There was hot air balloon competitions. Um, quite popular as a modern Olympic event as well was the art event. Uh, there was sketching and painting and sculpture. That was an official medaled event. Wow. Um, and uh, sort of uh, plunging for distance where people just dive and fall as as high as possible and yeah some really plunging crazy for stuff. distance plunging for distance uh, like yeah cliff diving sort of yeah exactly um, and uh, swimming obstacle races which actually look quite dangerous um, American football was uh, was a, a, an Olympic event at one time and you think that's crazy we think that's just common sense over yeah, here no that's right although yeah. <laughs> one sport I wanted to talk to you about that I never heard of before and I'm quite a baseball fan Baseball played with a cannon? Yeah, I love that story. Um, so the first person ever to think of inventing a, a baseball uh, launching machine, I don't know, a pitching machine, yeah. uh, actually was in... Sometimes eight... it's called an iron mic. Iron mic? Yeah, which seems like a sex toy, but it's not. Okay, it's, great. It's, uh, <laughs> is... But, but, but the, it's a, a device that throws a baseball yeah, 80, okay. 90 miles an hour. So I don't know how old you think that invention is, but the first one invented was by an English math professor at Princeton. Um, called Charles Howard Hinton, who just uh, thought the, the issue to solve was how the college pitcher's arms were always tied. So he he wrote an article about how he invented this machine, and he said, when I, I looked at history, and whenever man has wanted to impel an object, I turned to what they turned to, which was gunpowder. So he created this breech-loading rifle that shot the ball at the batters, and he, he admitted it, it did come a little too quickly because the <laughs> batters would just dive out of the way instinctively. It was incredibly painful because the cannon after a few goes, would, would cook the ball to like a brick. Uh -huh. um, and so people were just diving out of the way. And he, you know, he refined it. He, he almost, you know, revolu revolutionized the sport, but it just, it was too dangerous. Let's go through some of these other ones. Okay, octopus wrestling. Yeah, and that was big. That's, that's you know, that's an American uh, claim. I mean, that was really? big in the 1960s. It was televised. Divers would walk into the ocean um, and the competition was to search the little nooks and crannies in the cove. Uh, and and you were know, these big pulled. octopus like sea like uh, well the biggest one won the the prize uh, but I mean you know it, it very completely but the thing is it, the problem the 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 competition was how they just were so resistant you know <laughs> they they would sort of uh, hide in their nooks and it would take sort of twenty thirty minutes to try and rip them out and then you bring them up on the shore dump them down and the whoever had the does, biggest one does, did the octopus typically die in this activity I yeah I, I would imagine so I'm sure you know some of them return to the ocean but you know they make for good eating too so <laughs> now, the Viking yeah. sport of naked skin pulling it just seems like oh, I tell you that was so much fun because the Vikings they weren't literate people so they didn't write anything down so the main source of information for their culture which we basically know very little about was the uh, Icelandic sagas that were written much later but the Vikings who were you know active around 8th century 11th century 11th century 
it's probably no surprise that the ways that they had fun are just as violent as, you know, for what they're known for, just sort of raping rape, pillage. Rape, rape and pillage. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, their idea of relaxing was uh, sund, which was swimming, but basically drowning. You just try and drown the other guy. They would run around on the outside of the oars of their ships as a little race, which, again, is incredibly dangerous. Um, yeah, skin pulling was done naked with another guy uh, with a fire in between you. You're not pulling each other's skin. Um, no, no, they, they, they're pulling a, a, an animal's skin, uh, like a tug-of-war rope, but the goal was to pull the other guy into the fire. And there's a story of uh, one saga where a guy does that and then jumps on the other guy's back and then covers sm- covers him over with the rug as a sort of final, um, screw you. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's incredible. Uh, horse fighting, they would get uh, horses to battle over a, over a mare. Um, yeah, it's incredibly brutal stuff. And still you say the Americans are somehow yeah. um, the well, most important. Well, I'll give you an example. Like My English editor said, I'll tell you what would be a good idea when we publish this book. Why don't you write a fake sport and then tell people that one of these isn't real and they'll have to try and spot it. And I said, okay, I'll try and come up with the craziest thing I can come up with. So I came up with turkey bowling. I thought, you know, you can just sort of wrap up a turkey, bowl it down a hill. Um, and there was some confusion with the American editor because they said, yeah, no, we, we do that. We do that over here. Yeah. No. Yeah. And so yeah. I looked it up. Yeah. And not quite in that way, but there is, <laughs> there's an entry on Wikipedia for, um, I think beauty queens do it in some state. I have to look it up. But um, they bowl a frozen turkey down the aisle of a supermarket every year as a sort of sport. That sounds about right. Yeah. So, you, I, you know, I tried to come up with something bonkers and, and you guys had already got there first. Now, monkey boxing, is that American? No, that was that was uh, 18th century London, um, and that was you know we've got we had a long history of baiting animals just as a form of something to gamble on, um, but there was a London uh, monkey boxing champion who's Jacko Macaco, who was some kind of ape. No one knew quite where he came from, but he was vicious and he would kill. Uh, he, you know he put be put in a pit with thousands of rats, and you'd you'd bet on how how many he could kill in a minute and we even have man baiting there are stories you know some of which is probably apocryphal and a bit dodgy but there were rumors that in some dark areas of london you could pay to watch a dwarf fight a fight a dog and there's a famous match between the dwarf brummy and the bulldog physic um which and so it's incredibly violent but um yeah i i don't know i mean i try and justify all this by saying you know you're learning about the period you're learning about what it was like right, so, to live so, at this time uh, at one level this is a story about uh uh, human eccentricities, but a lot of it really, truly is uh, the darkest inclinations yeah. uh, 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 um, of human beings. They're their worst sort of instincts. Yeah, absolutely. And I th- watch, watching a, a little person uh, uh, battle an animal seems really pretty low. Yeah, exactly. So when we have, and even to me, even to you, okay. Right. Well, so that's why. So we should be proud of ourselves about how far we've you know evolved. Even if we're still debating um, little people tossing, uh, we'll yeah. get through it. Yeah, proud, proud and yet low at the same time. Yeah. So, so tell me about the research of this book and how you put it together. Again, Edward Burke Hitching, Fox Tossing and Other Forgotten and Dangerous Sports pas- Pastimes and Games. Yeah, well, I thought right from the beginning the, uh, an important thing is to ram it with images because otherwise yes. you're probably not going to believe it. It is beautifully put together. Uh, well, I'm very lucky. that Simon & Schuster are very generous with their budget for all these crazy images. Um, but yeah, it's a product of like you know a good few years research, um, and just following these breadcrumb trails through libraries, through newspaper archives, and you use weird search terms, you know, you know, like sort of uh, no 
regard for his personal safety, and you see what comes up for stuff like that. <laughs> um, and it's and it's true all over the world. And you get, I mean, one of my favourite stories turned out to be from a, a bit of London history I never knew that firework boxing, for example was a thing where London's oldest fireworks, probably the world's oldest fireworks uh, company, uh, used to have these free shows and uh, they'd have these uh, events called Actors in Living Fire, which were 2D figures. A bit, if you've seen the movie Tron, they sort of look like that. Yes. You know? And everyone thought, oh, well, these are automata, they're like ropes and pulleys. But it turned out, uh, only through this research, that no, <laughs> what happened was that these two factory employees drew the short straw, they were strapped up in asbestos, then they had a wicker frame fitted to their bodies, covered in real high explosive fireworks, which were lit, and then they were pushed out onto stage and told to spar with each other as there were fireworks just going off all around them. It was incredibly dangerous, but it looked beautiful. We cover a lot of food eating competitions, okay, major yeah. league eating here. Yeah. Uh, what can you tell me about food eating in this book? Hot, hasty pudding eating. Uh, medieval uh, fair game uh, speed eating it's probably the first speed eating competition and it's I put a recipe for the hot hasty pudding in the book uh, in case you want to try it because I've done it with some friends um, so what they would do is they create this real thick goopy uh, early form of porridge and boil it to a really high temperature um, and then the men would have to eat it with their bare hands, shovel it down their throat. And the fun for the audience was watching them writhe around in agony uh, just as they sort of suffered serious burns in their throat. So the key was <laughs> to eat it slowly but surely. It's the whole rabbit. That's how you want? Head. And you, you, you eat it for a certain amount of time? or you, eat, uh, you get a bucket and you've got to just eat it all as quickly as possible. So, so it's I, a race to finish a bucket. Yeah. And I tried it with friends. Obviously, I couldn't do the boiling thing, but I just put uh, a whole ton of like really spicy stuff in there. Sounds like it could be deadly. Yeah, yeah. Pretty good fun, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so there's, yeah, there's a lot of stuff like that. In the medieval fairs, there's, there's mumble a sparrow where you tie a little bird to the button of your shirt and then pop it in your mouth. And uh, it was an endurance uh, game where it would try and peck its way out. And you had to try and resist that for so as long as possible. You have a background in film. Yeah, um, and in documentary. Is, is, is this basically... The first step in putting together some sort of show, TV show, yeah, I, I, documentary I, film. I mean, that would, I, that would be great. I mean, recreating some of these things would be fascinating. And it would take you all over the world as well. And it's and get you arrested, probably. And probably, yeah. I mean, a lot of them you could maybe do with stuffed toys, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, you live in London? Yes. Do you have a family there? Uh, yep, nearby, yeah. Uh-huh. And what do they think of your eccentricities? Do you have, do you have, do you... Yeah, well, my dad is a rare book dealer, um, and I grew up reading all these really bizarre books, and, and I've got folders at home where I just start collecting little interesting stories about um, just pirates who would stop off and ride llamas, for, mm. uh, like horses, and I just thought, put them all together, so maybe one day they'll be useful, and a lot of that went into this book. Um, what do you think the strangest sports are today? Oh, that's a good question. I mean, what I've noticed a lot in uh, the Middle East, yeah. that they have a tradition there for camel beauty contests, sure. camel racing, but, which yeah. which is uh, it's alien to me, and I think it's alien to a lot of Americans. It might be quite typical over there. Well, that's the interest. Yeah, I suppose from all this research, I can't look at something like that and think it's strange because you can see where it developed from, how it's relevant to the culture. So my answer to what be the strangest sports, I think there are some sports we play in our cultures that to me are a little 
like, I mean, I don't know what you make of cricket, what, looking at it from the outside. I don't know how much you know about it. It lasts all day. It's bizarre. Uh, you can play it if you're incredibly unfit. Uh-huh. Um, and Some people say, well, it's, it's American relative, of course, is baseball. In yeah. baseball, of course, the games go three, four hours, and yeah. it's not that unusual. Yeah. And, of course, <laughs> there, there are some uh, huge fat players who are great at it, Yeah. Um, especially pitchers. You know, yeah. John Cruck famously smoking a cigarette, drinking a Bloody Mary, eating his breakfast. Uh, a kid comes up, asks for his autograph, and his mother stops him and says, uh, because he's disgusted by, by Cruck drinking it, uh, at breakfast, yeah. saying, what kind of example of you, are you for little children? <laughs> and Cruck says famously, I'm not an athlete. <laughs> I'm a baseball player. <laughs> right. Uh, that's probably exactly... I mean, I don't want to sound like a traitor. True for, for crickets? Yeah, probably. I mean, but I mean, you compare that to, like, an Af- there's an Afghan sport still played today called Bushkazi, which is a form of horseback polo, but instead of a ball, they use uh, a headless goat corpse. Ugh. And they sort of drag it around behind them, and they try and shove it into a goal. Now, that sounds really bizarre, but again, you know, they didn't have... You know, they're working with what they had. I kind of understand it all. There's one more sport I have to ask you about um, that we see over time, and it seems so bizarre to me, chess boxing. Yeah, that's been played at the Royal Albert Hall. You know? Yeah. Um, they box and play chess. They box for somehow... a round and then have a chess game and then box and then chess and just get incredibly, uh, you know, further woozy. And Yeah, but I, I've watched it. I mean, it's it's played in clubs here and there, and... It's um, it's, it's fantastic. It's really entertaining. <laughs> it's just such a, a contrast, you know. So I'm going to give you one last chance. Now that you've been around, okay, some sport that hasn't been invented yet that that rivals some of the ones we talk here. And we didn't mention all the great sports that are in this book. Um, I urge you to take a look at it. But give me a, give me a sport that hasn't been invented yet. That hasn't been invented yet. Yeah, that should be invented. It's got to be alcohol give me based. The, yeah. Um, do you know what? There was. There's a, a a really obscure English sport that maybe I could just claim ownership over. Like I've invented called dwell flunking. Um, what dwell flunking? Cool. So in it's it was played by one village in the middle of nowhere in in England, um, and it involved men dancing around, holding hands around a player in the middle, and he was blindfolded. He had a stick with a rag on the end that was dipped in beer. And his job, as the men danced around to this terrible accordion music, he would try and flick it into their faces. If he missed, he'd have to down the entire bucket of beer. <laughs> if he got them in the face, then they would take his place. Now, this is, <laughs> th- this is not Kodobos? Kodobos is ancient Greek where you would um, recline on a sofa and flick the contents of your glass across the room and try and hit a target on the other side, which I hesitate to mention because people will probably try that maybe tonight, but it's fantastic, yeah. (laughs) So many others, centrifugal bowling, throwing bowling ball going around in a circle. They they used to sell that in America, sets where you could have a bowling alley in your living room if if it wasn't big enough because they they would have a loop-the-loop design. So you would throw it around this sort of Mobius strip um, and probably destroy your living room walls in the process. We're talking like 1890s. 1890s. never took off. And battle ball. Is we never mentioned battle ball yet. That, probably because it's so complicated. You need a, a degree in forensic accountancy to try and make sense of the rules. Um, but that was... Invented by an American. Invented by so, an American. Dudley Sargent? Yeah. This is an example of someone kind of doing what you just asked me to do. Like, he wanted to create his own sport. He wanted to create the ultimate sport. And so it was a kind of... It's a bit like dodgeball, but also elements of 
golf and football and um, I've got a picture of it and see if you can make sense of it. Um, but again, you know, what you learn from that is you can't genetically engineer a sport. There's got to be some natural enthusiasm and uh, maybe a bit of alcohol involved as well. I, I, I didn't understand the one description I saw of battle ball that involved bowling, baseball, cricket, football, go. handball, tennis, uh, and uh, a, a whole lot of other stuff. A rubber, rubber football. What? I mean, I mean, I mean. Yet there was no bodily contact. No bodily contact because we're talking Victorian era. So that's a cardinal sin because uh, it was played, you know, men and women. Um, but it, again, you can't have a complicated game. There's a game called Universal Battle Football. Ball seems like it, like it would be the ultimate violent game. Like yeah, two, play, two players. Yeah. Compete, one player leaves the field. Yeah, well, maybe they, that's an example of promising something you couldn't deliver. You know, it sounds oh. thrilling, but yeah. I mean, you know, this is Victorian era, but you have to be very careful. Well, once again, great book. Thank you for Thank coming. You. Edward Brooke Hitching, Fox Tossing and Other Forgotten and Dangerous Sports, Pastimes and Games. I'm Buck Wolf for my producer, Caitlin Baguki. Thank you very much for listening. Check us out on SoundCloud, on Stitcher, on iTunes. Rate us and review us and send us email. We love it. Weird out. Weird out.